Back on the Fan Morning Show, happy Friday. Justin and Ailish. The end of the regular season. The meaningful games begin. Tuesday, Scotiabank Arena, Maple Leafs, Lightning. Officially Tuesday? I thought we had the insider insider on the line. You know what? Kipper said it, and then it was confirmed, I believe. And so he basically set the schedule. He's the boss. He knows. He was right about that. He might be right about some things in the future in his new columns in the Toronto Star, and he's writing up on his typewriter. He's got maybe he's going to spill some stuff for us this morning. He's our insider. It's brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Nick Caprios, co-host of Real Caper and Born. Congratulations. We've made it through the regular season, and it is all do or die now. <laughs> Hold on for a second. Did you did you call me old? With a you- typewriter? When you mentioned I <laughs> I have a typewriter. Come on. I could see you being like, you know, kind of hipster. You get the glasses on. You typewriter that thing up. With a, a, uh, a fedora and yes. a scoop hat. You also have a basically. scarf on in the summer. A little like yeah. striped scarf. I mean, I, all credit in the world goes to those who use typewriters. Like, Kipper, how many times are you using backspace when you're writing these columns? Like, you couldn't use a backspace Kipper back then. Kipper can't spell. I'm... Not a great speller. Correct. <laughs> a lot of a little squiggly those squi- lines. Those eh? Squiggly I'm, lines. That, that's not an that's not an option with the typewriter. I do I do write on my Apple phone though. You write your articles on your phone. I do. Are you yes. nuts? I know I'm it's nuts. Like the opposite and of typewriter. My uh, my thumbs are in bad shape this year. You're gonna need like kin tape on your thumb. Like you pull like a muscle. I know. The iPhone thumb's a real thing. Like, they, there was a, a period of time where there was articles being written about people going to their, like, physiotherapist for iPhone yeah. thumb. You are now a millennial because you have iPhone thumb. I know. I know. And my wife watch, watches me, and she's like, <laughs> go, go, get on your laptop. Go to your computer. What are you doing? But sometimes you get on a bit of a roll, oh, and yeah. you can't stop. You're just pouring knowledge into that. That thing is like, you better have a big passcode on there. (laughs) (laughs) It can't be your hockey number. It's got to be like 17 digits, uppercase, lowercase symbols, because someone's going to learn a lot from Kipper's phone. Yeah, now now everyone knows where the files are. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, yes, congratulations to everybody. We're through 82 games. Thank God (laughs) it's over. And let's let's start. (sighs) We're ready. The sun's out. Always playoff hockey. You knew playoff hockey was close with with the weather, right? Mm. So it could still snow tomorrow, and we know that in the month of April, but at least we can can feel it. Uh, We definitely can. As much as I want to look forward exclusively, let's look back a little bit uh, to start here at least. I wonder for you, bigger story from last night, William Nylander hitting 40 goals or Mitch Marner being stuck on 99? Uh, Listen, uh, we knew the last couple of games uh, there was nothing to play for in terms of uh, a team aspect. So those things matter to the players. Uh, they work really hard. Uh, the ones that uh, have a lot of pressure on them uh, know that those type of numbers are supposed to come with uh, the responsibilities that they have, the contracts that they have. So uh, it was nice. I, I think... Willie Nylander, you, you watched him. His arms almost fell off uh, to start the game because he was shooting the puck so much. And, uh, you know, on any other game, if, if this game was in November, December, you're watching him going, hey, Willie, you have teammates, right? <laughs> like, 
remember that. Um, but not in this game. He's he's going after a, a significant number for him for the first time in his career for 40 goals. And I think it's disappointing uh, for, for Mitch Marner not to hit 100 and to be so close down the stretch. And it is a significant number. It's a milestone number for 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 top scores. Um, and, you know, in, in a small way, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe – Maybe some teammates uh, uh, let him down a little bit by not uh, pushing harder down the stretch to, to to rally around getting getting Mitch a uh, uh, hundred points. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because I, I feel like it certainly matters, and I, I feel like he would feel and should feel slightly aggrieved by the fact that he didn't get there. I mean, there's the actual assist or phantom assist that we thought he should have had on that Matthews goal a couple days ago, but also Sheldon Keith you know, decided to load manage him or the decision was made to load yeah. manage him uh, down the stretch. Do you think there's any regret there? Uh, not, not from the Leafs point of view. This is all about game one uh, against Tampa Bay. This is all about getting to a, a place where you can best set the team up for success uh, against uh, a team that's uh, giving you a lot of trouble. <laughs> this time of year. So no, no regret from the, the leaf management. I almost guarantee you that, uh, it's whipped cream. It's a cherry on top again. You know what, how, how truly that bothers Mitch Marner. I, you're going to have to ask him. Uh, but as far as the team's concerned, it's all about game one against Tampa Bay. All right, Kipper, we joked about the typewriter, um, the iPhone, pumping out some some big questions um, in your column on Thursday in the Toronto Star about Matthew's future and how the playoff success and his commitment to a long-term deal might be intertwined. So break that down for us a little bit, like how you get to this point of curiosity. Of course, we've been thinking about it as well, but yeah. how intertwined they might be and well, should we be worried? <laughs> it's, uh, it's so interesting too because, uh, you know, I work with Justin Bourne and Sammy and they're like... Why are you writing this article yeah. now? Why are you bringing <laughs> this up now? Why are you trying to cause trouble? Why are you uh, uh, baiting clicks uh, on on Matthews right now? And it's to me, it's the right time to to bring up what is on the line. Just a mm-hmm. friendly reminder to people what is truly on the line here moving forward. And and we've we've known all season long on on what's on the line for Kyle Dubis and to a lesser extent maybe Sheldon Keith and how important it is uh, this first round. I I don't think M- Matthews is that far off in terms of 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 kind of feeling like success matters to him and his future and they are intertwined and uh, you know it's utmost importance that uh, that the Leafs win. It's that that's simple that it, it increases the odds of Matthews uh, thinking about uh, you know what he might decide as early as July with it and the repercussions if they don't uh, go far beyond Kyle Dubas they they may well go to Austin Matthews and whether or not he wants to spend another year thinking about uh, getting out of the first round or waiting it out or in fact uh, you know who's who, who will be in charge by July 1st to either talk to him about an extension or talk to him about the future of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And all of that is on the line starting Tuesday night. 
So we always assumed that Kyle Dubas would have work immediately or whenever he wanted it if the Leafs did in fact move on, if things went south once again and it just didn't work here and a change needed to be made, that uh, he'd find work very, very uh, soon after. Uh, and it seems like, you know, we, while we always assume that, now we have a face to the name, if you want to put it that way. Pittsburgh Penguins, you reported, maybe would have some interest in Kyle Dubas. We've heard others jump on board with that as well, and it makes a ton of sense. This is a team at a bit of a crossroads. This is a team that kind of needs to do what Kyle Dubas has done, which is to support a core four, or I guess it would be a core three with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, is it just that it makes sense? Is it... Is it, uh, is it something that should put any urgency into the Maple Leafs and their decision-making? Or did they always understand, yeah, if we move on from Kyle, uh, <laughs> no one's going to be, you know, they're going to be banging down the doors to get him, and that's just our decision because we needed to do something different. Yeah, this hasn't changed over the years is when guys are getting at the, the last year of their deals or uh, in this case, Kyle Dubas. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and and no one wants to get caught here. You know, the the one thing I, I, I did write an article earlier uh, this year about how the uh, the tendency is for for people like Kyle to to get a one-year extension, even if they were to be let go down the road. But in Kyle's case, you know, if, if it doesn't go well uh, against Tampa Bay and he does find himself on the outside looking in, he's he's got no salary starting September, and no one wants that. Everybody likes to have that buffer of maybe being, if they're going to be off for, for a year or looking for work, uh, the following year, it's nice to know that you still got a salary coming in. That's that's not happening for Kyle Dubas. So, tons of stuff constantly goes uh, historically. Uh, I speak of behind the scenes, including, you know, uh, people making calls to see what's out there, who might be of what spots might be available. Agents do it all the time for for their clients who might be going into a situation where they're they're looking for work. They know exactly what the scenarios are on other clubs and who's close to being let go or who might, what teams might be opening up here. So, so many of those things are going on behind the scenes uh, uh, for, 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 for players and for management to, to lesser extent scouts. I mean, that, that, that stuff's always happening behind the scenes. And, you know, you ask me if, if Kyle has uh, any aspirations on, on, on getting a, much bigger contract on in another organization. Uh, listen, he, he wants to be in Toronto. He wants success. He's built something here. He wants to see it through. And, uh, and that's where his, uh, his, his focus is on right now. But, you know, out of the corner of his eye, he's watching around the league. Well, hope for everyone's sake that there's a lengthy enough playoff run that we don't have to think about the Austin Matthews and Dubas future and how they're tied towards one playoff round success. Um, let's talk about Matthew Nyes, though, because we got to see three sample size moments of him in the NHL, and I think they progressively got a little better and a little better, and he got more comfortable in those roles. And I wonder where you've seen growth since that first game and if it's enough to see him in game one or any of the games in the first round. Well, yes. Uh, to answer your question, Ailish, I, I I have seen enough to say that uh, he's not a fish out of water. Mm -hmm. He's not a guy that's uh, over his head right now. We've gotten in enough sample size against uh, some some pretty good hockey players, against some pretty good playoff teams, to suggest that uh, he can come in there and and hold a spot. Whether or not 
it's enough to 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 be a real differential in the playoffs. Uh, still remains to be seen, uh, but there's no question that the Leafs have gone to great lengths to put him in this position. So, you know, uh, Justin Bourne said it best: if he doesn't see action in Game One, he will see uh, some time in this series, and and that certainly is leaning towards that. The the one thing that's really going um, in in Matthew's favor here is the fact that he plays the position which is the weakest position on the hockey mm-hmm. club, and that's the left side. So there's ample opportunity to 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 get on a roll or find a way to you know uh, uh, get yourself in there. Um, you know between Bunting and Kerfoot and Zach. Aston Reese. I mean, uh, on paper or or you know from a physicality point of view, that may be the weakest left side. You know, uh, we see out of uh, any contending team. Uh, you look at the Boston Bruins and you look at their left side, and it's Brad Marchand and uh, uh, Bertuzzi and Hall and uh, big strong guy in in Greer. Uh, last night, I think it was Kreider and Panarin and. Lafreniere was the first pick overall. Tuesday, it'll be Stamp Coles, Colt Nor, and Hagel, and they're probably around 75 goals. So uh that 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 leaf side on on the left wing uh gives Nyes an opportunity to get in there and uh and maybe get on a roll. And you know, there are signs still where you watched them even last night come out of a corner. And and drive hard to the net, and you know that's that's things that uh, you don't necessarily see out of uh, Kerfoot, uh, you know, and 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 Bunting's, you know, had an inconsistency uh, issue, you know, in the last half of the season. So, hey, the 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 window's open there for Matthew Nyes. Uh, let's just say that. Yeah, we were talking the first hour about knowing the manual, and maybe he doesn't know the full manual yet, but maybe in the last three games, which they made sacrifices in order for him to have, have given at least, you know, enough of that manual to be uh, not a fish out of water, which he hasn't looked like, at least just yet. Um, so we have always known the matchup, Tampa and Toronto, we've known it forever. Uh, but we haven't known, and what's new is how these teams close the season. It's been a bit disjointed, partially because of the Matthew Nice thing uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last couple weeks here. Uh, and Tampa Bay, among competitive teams over the last two months or so, one of the worst uh, in the NHL, at least by results. So as these teams close their season and officially ramp up, and now they have ramped up for the playoffs, um, what can we make of how they got to this point? Well, uh, how they've had success the last few years, uh, we are talking about a tremendous amount of character there uh, in that lineup that uh, no one should ever underestimate. And I, I don't believe the Leafs will uh, starting next week. Uh, but there are there there's there's holes, uh, and and one of them is the blue line here. And you know, Ryan McDonough, one of the better shutdown guys probably in the last five ten years in, in the NHL. They 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 miss him a lot. And I think Vasilevsky misses him a lot. Uh, we know he's a tremendous goalie, but we've seen some goals the last little while that uh, aren't Vasilevsky-like. <laughs> so uh, they're they're going to come in. They're going to be very dangerous uh, based on still the the, the strengths of uh, a Kucherov, who sits again uh, well over a hundred points. Uh, Point got his fiftieth goal the other night. 
Uh, Stamkos at 34 goals is still very dangerous. And, you know, they do have some young legs in, in Hagel, uh, uh, Colton, Paul. Uh, and then you got the uh, wily, crusty veterans in Corey Berry. So I am so looking forward to this series. And uh, we do have Toronto as a, as a favorite. Uh, but we know that Tampa will go down swinging and, uh, they, they've tried to do that, uh, on many occasions in the regular season. And sometimes it's fared well, and sometimes it hasn't, but, uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. Do you think Justin is a sicko for rewatching the entire, um, series from last year, start to finish? He says it's an analytical process, but I think he just wants pain in his life. <laughs> Well, uh, how many times has Sheldon watched it? And, uh, well, Sheldon and is, has to watch it. Justin's making <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the three guys that host the Leaf show on this air, Kipper, Sammy, and, and Bourne. Yeah, you guys, I, I, you guys what? didn't watch any last, last year? Oof. A little yeah. rehash the memory? Uh, a, a little. A, a little. But uh, you know what? Uh, fresh coat of paint, baby. Starting... Uh, starting Tuesday. Well, here's why I'm doing it because, uh, you know, I need a little refresher, right? And I see Jake Muzzin out there and I'm thinking, wow, I look at that lineup at every single spot in the lineup. The Leafs are better now. Mm -hmm. John Tavares started the series last year with Andre Kasha and Ilya Mikheyev. This year, it might be a guy who would have went to the Olympic team last year if the NHL went to the Olympics and Ryan O'Reilly and William Nylander who scored 40 goals. Like things are a little bit different now for the Maple Leafs. I'm trying to decide how much different they are, especially for the Tampa Bay Lightning who don't have, as you mentioned, Ryan McDonough anymore. But I see Jake Muzzin. I'm like, do they have a Jake Muzzin? And then I think about Jake McCabe and how he's been such a strong addition for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas. And I think, yeah, I think they do have Jake Muzzin. So do you equate Jake Jake McCabe to Jake Muzzin now that you've seen Jake McCabe uh, with the Leafs for a a couple weeks here? Yeah, I do like Jake McCabe. And, and, you know, whether or not I can equate it to... uh, a Muzzin, you know, and if you want to go back to Muzzin's best days in LA, um, you know, that's still remains to be seen if, if McCabe can, can do that. But in general though, uh, you know, I don't think McCabe will ever have the cachet of, of a, a, uh, a Muzzin in his heyday or, or a top shutdown guy. Uh, but certainly he can be one of those guys who's very solid and, you know, that Leaf Blue line is going to have to do it by committee. Um, there's there's not going to be one or two, I think, stars out of it. Morgan Riley still, for me, is the guy that, that has the ability to be the biggest differential out there in terms of his play going to another level. And that's why the Leafs signed him to a long-term deal at 7.5. We still haven't seen him at the height of, of what he can do. And you just hope the timing sets in now, uh, starting next week, that that Morgan can can raise his game and play the best hockey, if not uh, of this season. Certainly, uh, it, it will need to be amongst his his career if the Leafs are going to play for the next six weeks, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the strength, as you said, is up front. Now, uh, the Ryan O'Reilly changes everything uh, for me, and the ability to play the left side, uh, play the middle of the ice, uh, play top six, drop to a, a six to nine role, um, and be very, very effective here. Um, so, you know, the middle of the ice is so important to control this time of year, and the Leafs should be okay, you know, if not great with Matthews 
O'Reilly and, and Tavares as well. Kipper, last one for you. Uh, since it is officially the end of the regular season, we can look back at our preseason predictions and takes and thoughts about how this would go. Uh, where were you most right? And maybe where were you most wrong when you look at how you predicted this year? Well, I don't ever remember when I'm most wrong in anything. So It's because uh, you're never wrong. So let, Let's get that Duh. out of the way. Uh, I, I think the Leafs sat right exactly where we, we, we thought. Uh, I do believe that uh, both Justin Bourne and I on our show uh, said that the Leafs had the ability to to win the President's Trophy, uh, that they could be amongst the top teams this year, and and uh, and have one of those uh, seasons where again you're looking at uh, you know 50 plus wins. Uh, you know I think they just hit 50 this year uh, at 111 points. So you know outside of no one in the world seeing Boston mm-hmm. run away with it uh, with a 65 and 12 record. Uh, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs did really well. And uh, you know, the the one place I probably was wrong, Ailish, if I could say that was that uh, I didn't think the, that, that Samsonov had the ability to, to run away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that to me is uh, the biggest uh Surprise for me that there was uh, there was never really a, a race between him and Matt Murray, and you know, Matt Murray is what we thought we he, yeah. Matt Murray was a, a guy that uh, is capable, but at the end of the day, could he could he stay healthy enough to keep himself in the race? And, and we know that answer. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of good feelings, a lot of good vibes for 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 Leaf Nation going into next week, and uh, you know, Samsonov has to be one of the the top reasons. Yeah, and he certainly has been down the stretch. He's looking like he's playing some of his best hockey. So that's good vibes, as you mentioned. Kipper, appreciate you joining us this morning. Uh, Enjoy your weekend, and it all starts Tuesday. Can't wait. Okay. Enjoy it, everybody, and we'll speak to you guys next week. All right. Thanks, Kipper. Uh, Stanley Cup champ, former NHL forward, of course, co-host of Real Kipper and Born, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. A worthy reminder in there when it comes to Kyle Dubas. The pay stops. The paychecks stop rolling in, right? If you're a lame duck GM, the paychecks stop rolling in. And anyone who's, you know, trying to be responsible and do right by their family and being an adult is going to at least have some plan B, some plan Z, some plan D, some plan E maybe in effect. Like if you know that you could lose your job at the end of the month... Well, you start talking to people. You start asking around. And I think not necessarily that Kyle Dubas is doing that. Agents may be doing that. People around the league talking. I believe that Kyle Dubas is fully invested in this team. And if he gets the opportunity, he will jump at the at the chance to sign on the dotted line to continue being the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But to think he's just going to be like, eh, we'll oh, deal with it when it I comes. What do I do now? <laughs> that's, that's not reality. That's yeah. not reality for anyone, no matter what line of work you're in. It is a spooky realization or, or just a reminder that Matthews and Dubas, as Kipper put it, could have significant uh, outlooks changed by this playoff performance. And could be linked. And could in be some linked. Ways. And that, that is spooky, spooky season. Mm-hmm. But the vibes are good, so let's keep it good. All right? Yeah, no need to worry about that yet. But the moment that we should be worrying about that... We will, wor- we will worry. We will do some worrying. <laughs> All right. It's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, speaking of vibes that are good but also bad, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, terrible season, but 
Ding, ding, ding. You secured the worst record in the NHL, but now have a 25.5% chance at the number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft, including Connor Bedard. So 25.5% chance at having the face of your franchise drafted this summer. Last night, they officially finished their season 23, 47, and 12. Was it worth it? I was going to say, was it worth it? We'll see. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it might be. Was it worth it last night for the Chicago Blackhawks? Now, if they they scored with two minutes left again, I think, to tie the game, mm-hmm. to get into overtime, to get the extra point, they were only one point better than the Anaheim Ducks. However, I think even, even if they both had 58 points to end the season, I think they had more regulation. I think that's the difference. Yeah, I don't, something about that. I don't, I don't think you split odds. I don't think you just like, oh, we have 40%. We'll <laughs> yeah, go 20-20. No. no, I don't think that uh, it works that way. So I don't think it was that costly for Chicago. They're still in the running, of course. Uh, but Anaheim, yeah, they were the worst of the worst. They tanked the best. We'll see if it ends up paying off. I can't wait for the NHL draft because I have a weird feeling it's going to be a team that's like fourth best odds. Like, I just got this. I have, there's going to be some shenanigans you think so? I uh, I don't think it's going to be that easy to just roll into it as Anaheim Ducks and get it. I think there's something spooky going on there. If it goes, not if it, like there's like shenanigans because there's on purpose. I just think stuff like that. I just think that the stars aren't going to line that easily. No, I hope it doesn't. To be honest, uh, I kind of want something crazy to happen. Chicago, <laughs> Detroit, a, a meaningful market would be my uh, would be my preference because guess how many Anaheim games I watched this year. Just the one that Maple Leafs were involved in. I was going to say, like, in. one slash did two. They play, did they play twice? Because that's <laughs> the extent of it. And that's who who's that's fun for no one. They definitely played that one trip that was terrible. He's not a flip-flop guy either. Who? Connor Bedard. Oh, flip-flop guy. What do you mean he's not a flip-flop Western guy? Western Canadian guy. Actually, he's from Vancouver. They, do, they, they do don't flip, have flip-flops they do flip-flops, out there? Um, But he's not the guy who wants to go to the rink and flip-flops. Yeah, no, he I wants agree. to play he wants in a to, market. He wants to get his snow tires on oh yeah and rip his way to the rink yeah brush the snow off his car early in the morning it's exactly what he wants to do see his breath they don't have that in anaheim don't do that that oceanside tell you that much (laughs) all right uh we got to tee up the toronto blue jays because they have a big big weekend ahead the rays are coming into town they're here they're waking up at the ritz 13 and oh couldn't be much better the vibes are Absolutely immaculate. They have an opportunity to make history tonight if they beat the Toronto Blue Jays to be the best ever start to an MLB season. No pressure, Kikuchi. No, it's Barrios tonight. Oh, boy, I don't know who you'd feel better about. Definitely Kikuchi. But Barrios has an opportunity to really just win the hearts of Toronto Blue Jays fans tonight. If the Blue Blue Jays pitching is what it has been, how far can the Rays take it? So like if something doesn't change from a pitching standpoint for the for the Toronto Blue Jays this weekend, Tampa's tough. in real good shape to start this season at not even the best, but like legendary, historic, never touching it again. So they got Thanks. Barrios tonight, Kikuchi tomorrow, and Alec Manoa to wrap things up. We'll see how it goes. I'd like to see Alec Manoa find it on Sunday. We're going to chat about this and more with Rich Hollenberg. He's going to join us, Ray's studio host at Bally Sports Sun. He's going to give us all the real and fake things about this Tampa Bay Rays team that's 
looking pretty damn good. That's on the other side of the break. You can send in your wake and rake picks for tonight's game at 590-590. Not a lot of other sports going on, so get creative. Might be an MLB parlay. Uh, We do have some play-in games as well in the NBA and two NHL games, but 590-590 put together our parlay. Rays and Blue Jays first pitch at 707. Let's tee that up on the other side of the break. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin and Ailish, the hottest team in Major League Baseball. Us? <laughs> Not us. <laughs> hottest team in Major League Baseball is in town, hanging out, waking up, maybe having some coffee. Mm. We don't have Kevin Kiermeyer anymore, though. At least we got that. Now we're the hottest team. <laughs> that, uh, that, may, that may be the case. I, no, that, I, I did put on the T uh, for you. But yeah, 13 0, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, very, very impressive start to the season. Maybe a little adversity yesterday. Jeffrey Springs leaving his start, but that doesn't really matter all that much. And to talk about the brilliant start for Tampa Bay Rays, we got Rays studio host for Bally Sports, Rich Holenberg. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, guys. Good to be on with you. Uh, thanks for coming on. So 13-0, like that's impressive, undeniable, uh, amazing. But the question is, how? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you would have to have uh, twice the amount of showtime that you have to talk about the how for the Tampa Bay Rays because it's been all phases of the game. I mean, they lead the world in home runs, in runs scored, in run differential, and yet they're pitching – might even be better than they're hitting. You touched on Jeffrey Springs getting hurt, and really at this point, health is the only thing that could potentially hold back the Rays. I came into this season thinking they could potentially be a 95-win team, and they've looked even better than that at the first you know, 13 games of the season. But now Zach Eflin's on the shelf for the next couple of starts. He was our number two starter. Jeffrey Springs, the best number three starter in the world, is now going to be down for at least a couple of starts as well. And so one of the great strengths going into this season and the first two weeks of the season was the starting rotation. Now all of a sudden the depth of that starting rotation is going to be tested. The Rays brought up Taj Bradley earlier this week, a 22-year-old number one prospect, and he threw five innings and struck out eight, so he looked great. But he went right back down to AAA Durham. Uh, they're going to have to go back to Durham again and, and pick up a starter and hope to patch it together at least for the next couple of weeks until Tyler Glass now comes back. It's, it's an embarrassment of riches on the pitching side. And now all of a sudden the offense is healthy and everyone's clicking. It's pick your poison with this lineup. We talked to uh, Mad Dog uh, Russo yesterday on our show, and uh, we talked about the Tampa Bay Rays, Uh-oh. of course. Yes, but I just want to want to float this to you. How much uh, stake do you put in the thought that they didn't play the toughest teams to start the season? Like a little bit of credit to beating bad teams. Yes, you need to beat the team a- across from you, but that mean they're rolling in to play the Toronto Blue Jays, who are a better team than many of the teams that they've played so far. I wonder how much you give credit to the fact that they didn't have the hardest strength of schedule to start the season. Well, I'll give you a couple of reasons why. Um, I, first of all, I don't get my feathers ruffled when Mad Dog says that. <laughs> Everyone from the outside looking in would have that opinion. I totally get it. And let's be honest, you know, throwing some uh, 
some some stoking of the fire in the AL East, the Boston Red Sox are going to finish last in the AL East. So essentially, the first four teams the Rays played are last place teams, probably at the end of the season, if not right now. But like you said, you've got to beat the teams on your schedule, and every team is going to play those four teams. So the Rays took care of business. I will say this. In years past, including last year, one of the Rays' biggest struggles was they didn't quite do that. They were, you know, competitive against the sub-500 teams, but they didn't have a really, really dynamite record against them. Sometimes they would slip and fall against the Oakland A's. They lost three or four at home last year to Oakland. So they've righted that ship this year. And listen, I, I think when you look at the, the anatomy of a schedule, it could work a couple of ways for you. You could believe, oh, my gosh, we beat all these crappy teams, and now you know we've got it in for us because we're going to get it, take our medicine playing the Toronto Blue Jays and so on and so forth. But look over the course of the last few seasons, and the Rays have been the best team in the American League East because they've beaten the teams in the American League East. This is now four straight seasons. They've taken care of the Red Sox. Uh, they've got uh, a really good track record against the Blue Jays over the course of the last few years. Goes without saying, same thing for Toronto, and they've been super competitive against the Yankees. So all these other teams, if you can stack up the wins now, all it's going to mean is when you hit your slump, and it's not an if, it's going to be a when. Every team hits a slump at some point in the season. Listen, even if the Rays played 500 baseball the rest of the way, which is not going to happen, they would still have more wins at the end of this year than they did all of last year, which was 86. So I think, you know, even though they played lesser competition, short story long, I think they are a much better team this year than they were last year. So it shows you who they are at their best. Are they going to always be at their best this season? Absolutely not. But even when they're not at their best, I think they're still better than they were last year and better than most teams in baseball. So you've obviously taken a look at their opponents this weekend, which are the Toronto Blue Jays, and um, our pitching rotation doesn't line up the best for us. Um, We've had a couple little... uh, Speed bumps, to say the least, yeah, in terms of uh, when, you, when, you're, when you're chasing a modern day record for wins to start the season, and you're seeing Jose Brio, right. Brios on the mound. That's that's not the worst position to be in if you're the Tampa Bay Rays. I wonder how you evaluate. And isn't that crazy? To yeah, feel that. yeah, it is. It is, and uh, we're hoping that this is a, a small blip in the Jose Brios future that we have with the Toronto Blue Jays. But you're looking at, ahead at um, who they match up against, and and where can the Blue Jays potentially exploit some weaknesses in the Tampa Bay Rays, or are you? seeing this as a pretty favorable weekend for the squad well i mean the rays have have put uh have have had a lot of right-handed pitchers um that they've dealt with and uh, you know i think that it remains to be seen one thing that has always been a strength for the rays is their depth and their versatility so kevin cash almost Every single game will put out a different lineup, one through nine. And I think he's going to, and obviously they've been putting in the advance work on on this Blue Jays rotation. But I think their expectation going in is they're not going to see the Jose Barrios with the 11-plus ERA. They're going to see the Jose Barrios, who they've seen in years past, who has shoved against the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Um, but like I said, the strength of this Rays team is their versatility. They could go righty-lefty matchups. They could go all right-handers with a few switch hitters. That's the beauty of this team. I mean, they've got seven dudes who have three or more home runs already. It's not just one guy or two guys. It's not just a left-handed lineup that is dominating or a right-handed lineup that is dominating. It's the depth and the versatility of this Rays team. So, uh, you know, given I'm really excited to see how this Rays offense hits in Rogers Center, I was shocked, you know, just kind of doing some homework and catching up on the improvements that they made to Rogers Center. Can't wait to see it on TV, certainly. But moving the power alleys in, moving right center and left center in to encourage more home run hitting. I mean, Brandon Lau has had a field day in the past <laughs> at Rogers Center. Mm. Um, I don't know if the Rays need any more help hitting home runs, but it sounds like the new confines at Rogers Center could only help the Rays in terms of hitting home runs. I don't know if it's been that way for other teams. I mean, I know the Tigers are the only team that's visited there so far. But uh, it, we could see a 12-10 type of a game in the next couple of games between these two teams for sure. Yeah, if your offense is humming, yeah, uh, Rogers Center is not a particularly bad place to be playing in <laughs> at the moment, or at least it seems that will play out this year. But, yeah, we're still getting a read on the ballpark ourselves. It's interesting because it seems like the the Blue Jays have adopted some of the Rays strategies. I mean, they've literally adopted Kevin Kiermeyer, which which I guess helps things. But, like, uh, it seems like the Blue Jays didn't want to be that slugging team exclusively this year, giving up on guys like Teoscar Hernandez, bringing in a guy like Dalton Varsho, who loves to bunt for base hits. Like, they just are more attentive to things that I always appreciated from the Tampa Bay Rays who always did those little things so well as they've tormented the Blue Jays over recent seasons here. But now it looks like the Rays are big pitching slugging team. Has there been like a change in identity or is this just something maybe I've been sleeping on maybe preconceived biases uh, put that into my head? Now, you know what, Justin, I would tell you that uh, I think the biggest difference between the numbers you're seeing this year and, and, Let's face it. I, I mean, what we are seeing is a relative outlier, right? 162-game season. We've only played 13, so not even a tenth of the season has gone by. The Rays are not going to continue to hit home runs at this clip. But the one thing that you're seeing that everyone around the nation and the world is seeing about the Rays and their hitting prowess right now is that everyone's healthy. Last year, they missed Brandon Lau for a huge chunk of the season. They missed Wander Franco for a huge chunk of the season. One of the hottest hitters right now is Harold Ramirez. He was out for over a month of the season. Manuel Margot was an all-star in the first half of the year before he had a knee problem, and he missed a couple of months. Those are some of their best hitters. Now all of those guys are healthy. For the first time, collectively, they're healthy as an offense. And that's saying that without Jose Siri being in the lineup this weekend against your Blue Jays. And Jose Siri was our hottest hitter, if you could believe that, before he got hurt with a, a little bit of a, a hamstring injury. So um, it has been a pass-the-baton type of an offense. They always say offense is contagious. And I think, you know, everyone in the Rays clubhouse has been infected so far. The home run numbers are not being put up by one guy like an Aaron Judge type player, it's everybody is chipping in offensively. Their OPS is collectively off the charts. They're hitting doubles. 
And you talked about small ball. That's something that the Rays really have not done very much of in the Kevin Cash regime. We used to always joke that, like, you would never see a sacrifice bunt. And yet, just yesterday, Manuel Margot essentially started a seven-run rally in the fifth inning with a bunt single to score a run for the Rays. So not only are they doing all the eye-popping things, the eye-candy things like hitting balls over the wall, but they're also doing the little things, hitting base hits, hitting behind runners, going station to station. Uh, this offense is clicking like I've never seen an offense before in all my time covering baseball and certainly in my 10-plus years covering the Tampa Bay Rays. All right, the Tampa Bay Rays have a lot of stuff, but they don't have Kevin Kiermeyer. We have him now, and he is our beloved boy already. He has just taken over the hearts of everybody in Toronto for many reasons. But what's the Rays' legacy there, and uh, how big of a loss was it just seeing how great his start has been? I know there was injury questions, but if he's going to play Kevin Kiermeyer baseball the way he is playing here, um, how much of a loss was it for the Rays and a gain for the Jays? Yeah, I, I I don't know if this is uh, if this is good information I'm getting, but I heard they're already building a statue for him at oh, yeah. uh, Rogers. Center. They I sure are. I mean, uh, maybe uh, the biggest cheer. batting average. <laughs> yeah, he's already robbed a couple of home runs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the KK that that I came to know and love. A former 31st round draft pick um, made his major league debut in the playoffs as a defensive replacement. I mean, the legend of Kevin Kiermeyer is secure here in the Tampa Bay area. He is beloved and will always be beloved. Uh, but what you, what you referenced, his legacy here, was, you know, he was the best defensive player, if not certainly the best defensive outfielder. But you can make the argument over a, a span of a few years, he might have been the best defensive baseball player in all of baseball. And the highlights that I'm sure we're going to be showing on our show tonight as a retrospective uh, just give you goosebumps. No one puts more energy and effort into perfecting the craft of defensive baseball than Kevin Kiermeyer does. And, uh, yeah, listen, he's in his 30s now. And he is, let's be honest, past his prime. But if this is what Kevin Kiermeyer looks like past his prime, then whatever dice – your management role by bringing him over, uh, obviously that's, you know, that's sevens and elevens because it's all working out for them. The good news for the Rays is they got Jose Siri last year. And while he didn't get a lot of playing time with the Houston Astros, he's also a plus-plus defender, uh, really good on the base paths. And like I said before he tweaked his hamstring, he was hitting the ball a lot too. That was always the biggest question about Kevin he fought himself at the plate, um, tried to be, you know, at least a 250 hitter and most often could never quite get there, went through long stretches where he would hit slumps. And you could tell he was just fighting himself at the plate. Um, I know the guy that he went to and spent a lot of time with in the offseason, reworking his swing. And listen, two weeks into the season, certainly it looks like, that's paying dividends. Uh, I wish Kevin nothing but the best of luck, except in the 13 games he's going to play against Tampa Bay in the regular season. And, and I will tell you this, guys, not that he's going to love that I'm telling you this, but our pet name for Kevin Kiermeyer on the TV side, not in the clubhouse, we used to call him Dreamy McHustle. That was Kevin Kiermeyer's nickname. 
Yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not surprised by that. I mean, it seems like he might be the athlete that is making fans and Torontonians feel something more than any Toronto well, we athlete has ever felt anything before. It's it's actually kind of scary. Uh, he might get mobbed if he walks out in public. Uh, we shall see how that goes for him. Uh, before we let you go, I got to ask you about James Click. Um, the Blue Jays hired him this offseason. He's worked with two of the most successful teams in baseball over the last decade or so. We feel like we have something really positive here, but you. You saw the James Click effect up close and personal. What kind of addition does he make for the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, you know, I, I think he's one of the smartest baseball minds in the game. And there's one thing, you know, Kevin Cash is still, I, I don't know if he's the youngest manager in baseball, but he's certainly one of the three youngest managers, which is saying something. He's in his ninth year as the skipper of the Rays. Uh, so he doesn't necessarily have that that coaching tree or that manager tree, although Matt Cotraro is, uh, is now the head man in Kansas City, and you see Derek Shelton uh, coming from Tampa Bay as the head man in Pittsburgh, and that list goes on. I think the legacy that this Rays franchise leaves since they made their first World Series in 2008 is in the front office. Uh, High and Bloom trying to rework things in Boston, there are a lot of guys with front office experience that left here. Andrew Friedman, obviously, being the number one example, Exhibit A. Uh, but I think James Click is going to fall in line with all those. It's why Houston brought him in when they did. Uh, remember, they brought him in when they were in dire straits after uh, the garbage can incident and that whole scandal. Um, and I think it was a, a, a coup for them. I think James probably wanted to get back to the American League East. He knows that division as well, if not better than anybody. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of day-to-day -day interaction with James because he was a little more behind the scenes with the Matt Silvermans and the Eric Neanders and now the Peter Bendixes that are running the front office and such with the Tampa Bay Rays. So he wasn't around quite as much uh, when he was with the Rays, but I know he was one of the brain trust, so to speak, that helped the Rays become who they are now, which is a perennial playoff contender. Uh, the question is, is he going to get the Blue Jays over the hump before the remaining Rays in the front office get the Rays over the hump? I, I, I think at the end of the day, you're looking at two of the top four teams in the American League for sure. All right. Well, certainly a lot to look forward to this weekend, Rays and Jays. Um, we're standing in the way of history with Jose Barrios on the mound. Can't wait to see how it all plays out. Rich, appreciate you joining us this morning for the insight. And uh, what'd you say, McDreamy Hustle? Dreamy Eyes McHustle? What was it? Dreamy, Dreamy McHustle. All right. We're going to use it and give you credit. <laughs> all right. And bear warning, if you don't know this already, guys, you can't stare into his eyes longer than about three seconds. Yeah, we've realized you melt Why? into nothing. Ailish has done that. Okay. I mean, she's lying. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. Enjoy this weekend. Uh, take care, guys. You too. That's Rich Hollenberg, uh, Ray's studio host at Bally Sports Sun. Dreamy McCustle. That Kevin Kiermeyer has too much power. <laughs> What's the... Um, no one man. Who is the, like ancient greek mythological person that if you looked into their eyes you turn to like gold or stone or something you know midas is yes this turns everything to gold if i'm not mistaken there's parallels dreamy mccustle the, the midas touch um i'm looking at kiermeyer home run props for sure tonight because it's the revenge game angle and mm -hmm. he's uh red hot and he's dreamy mccustle
Wake and Rake is going to be fun. Uh, 595.90, send in your picks. We will do a NBA preview as well. Jonathan Von Tobel is going to join us and look ahead at some of the series set for the NBA playoff push. You've got uh, Jays and Rays, Jose Barrios on the mound, history in their hands. We'll see if Barrios can get it sorted. We got Alex Wong joining us on the other side of the break, producer and co-host of the Raptors show. We're going from Good Vibes Central with the Toronto Blue Jays to post-mortem with the Toronto Raptors. That's next. That's next.